0: on local now channel 525. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen welcome to hour two of Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow. It's great to be with you today. I am your host and former goose hunter at Dodger Stadium I don't know if you watched that game last night. If you did, maybe you haven't recovered from it yet. But uh, there was a goose that landed in right field and just sat there staring. And uh, the great part is that they didn't really stop the game right away. They just kept on playing. You know, a beach ball hits the field and the whole game comes to a stop. But then suddenly there was this goose and people didn't know what to do. Dodger Twitter thinks it's a curse. We'll see what happens. But this is the the Southern California Live series, Dodgers and Padres, L.A. and San Diego. So we'll see how that turns out. Looks like we got a series going. Hey, I got a question for you, not related to any of that. The election is now. Did you get your ballot in the mail? And uh, hopefully you did. I got mine uh, finally. They should be coming in any day now. And here's a question for you. You know, There's major controversies locally and all around. And We have not been able to talk about that, and uh, I'm glad, you know, and by the way, I want to thank you for all of the, the giving you did the last couple of days with our fundraiser for the families in Somalia. Um, we, we exceeded, uh, I think our goal on this program and, uh, did well with the, the, the entire promotion. Thank you for, for that. I realize in San Diego you might have actually a different, uh, program that you did here. Sometimes we do those things. But I thank you in LA and San Diego for participating in the fundraisers that we do. You are saving families here in LA. We did families in Somalia. And there was an article in the LA Times last week just describing the devastation that's happening because of the famine there. And uh, it's a hopeless situation unless you believe in Jesus and the power of the church to do what the church is meant to do. And so I thank you for participating so well in that. And speaking of the power of the church, when we get back to the election, here's my question. Is the Christian church too interested in political power? I think that's uh, that's a question that a lot of people are asking. I don't think it's a fair question for most church people or most churches, but I do think that there are reasons for that depiction. And what's the remedy for that? What do we hold on to? We'll talk about that here. I'd love to get your calls on this. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Live at KKLA.com. I mentioned you got your ballot. Hopefully you got yours. And I hope you're going to vote. I hope you're not. Don't be discouraged. Vote. Even if you're discouraged, there is no excuse for not voting in the state of California with the ballots being mailed. I'm not a fan of the mail ballot thing because I think there's a lot of fraud potential and other things with it. But hey, that's what we're doing. So vote. And, uh, you know, truthfully, if you fill out your ballot and you drop it in the mail, it's going to be fine. Drop it in a a a designated drop box, not in, you know, some guy who set up a paper bag outside the, you know, the library. Give it to, uh, you know, official box. I think it's better to mail it if you're going to do that or take it in. That's my thought. We need to vote. And we're, we're talking a lot about that on our show and how important that is. But I also want to emphasize this. And I think we need to think about this. We need to vote. That is our right. I believe that we have been given this authority by God to vote. I think the next thing we do is we submit and pray for our leaders. Okay, Uh, we call them out when they do wrong also, and we have to recognize that all of them are accountable to God for the power that they have been given uh, by God. But we need to vote. We need to then move forward for the kingdom of God. So let me ask you this, what is your vote for? Or if you're really following this election and you are hoping one side wins or the others, how do you view it? Is it about power? Is it about your team gaining power? Is it about forcing people to accept other beliefs than what they have? And there's people on both sides who are kind of in that place, right? What's the power for? Is it for power's sake? Uh, That's what I want to talk about here, 888-528-2557. And part of the antidote for that because I think when we're talking about power and we talk about elections, we get excited when our side wins, whichever side you're on. When your side wins, you get excited because I think you feel like something good is going to happen. But when you look at it from 30,000 feet, there's an awful lot of things that – get promised and they don't really happen. And sometimes the promises are lies, but sometimes the promises are sincere, but they are not realistic within the political structures that are here. Okay. Philippians 3.20. I want you to put this in your mind right now. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We have something to look forward to in the future. All right, God is in control, the power is his. And here's the thing, if we find ourselves in power. And I mean that in a political sense, but I also mean that in a sense where you might find yourself in power because you are the on the board of some organization or you're the pastor of a church or you are, you know, you're you're the the chairman of your homeowners association. <laughs> which is not a role I would envy. Um, and a couple of you, I know you have that role and uh, you're doing a fine job, just, just hang in there. But how do you, how do you deal with power, Whatever you, wherever you find it? You know, what do you do with it? And I think this is important for the church to wrestle with right now, because when they do surveys out there about what does the culture believe, non-believers about Christians, and in particular in politics, they often say that they're just about power. That there is a sense, you'll hear words like Christian nationalism, and you'll hear these these things being thrown out there. And I think, like I said before, I think it's unfair with most believers and most churches. However, it is fair with some people. There are some people out there who have flat out said, "No, the the Christians should be um, in power, not for the sake of doing what's right for people, but for power's sake." Right? There is a there is another level that some people have taken it taken it to. You know, what we're seeing in Los Angeles right now, there's so much to talk about with what happened in the Los Angeles City Hall. It is a national story. So I know you're talking about it in San Diego. You're talking about it across the country. It's on all the news stations. It's still the story. What we're seeing right now is not limited to just California or even just to Los Angeles. Uh, We're seeing it. I think in a big way because what we've seen exposes what happens when you live in a state like ours where a power is owned by just one side. You know what's worse than uh, having two political parties? You know what's worse is having only one political party. That's worse, and that's what we have in California. And that's why things are so different here. I think it's in a way why we don't get it, why we're having so many troubles in all of our cities and why nationally we are so different than anybody else. I was talking with somebody yesterday from Tennessee and we were comparing, this person was in Nashville, and comparing the different COVID restrictions and COVID statements even that are going on now. And over the last two years, and it's remarkable how different our two states and cities and counties address that issue. Um, and then the numbers are pretty much the same across the board, right? But there there are so many um, issues related to power in all of this. In the, in the LA story, if you're not familiar with it, uh, with what some members of the city council thought was a private conversation, somebody recorded it, and it was a year ago, this conversation that has caused so much... Uh, Uh, turmoil here. And what happened is some people were on the city council were gathered to discuss the redistricting process for the city council districts. And it was council president Nuri Martinez. She has resigned and uh, she's resigned completely. Council members Gil Cedillo and Kevin DeLeon last I heard have not resigned. I haven't looked in a couple hours. I think they're going to resign. Um, They might just try to wait out their term, but there's a lot of pressure. Los Angeles County Federation of Labor President Ron Herrera was also present, and uh, he did resign his role, too. See, what happened in this conversation is there was frustration with maps that had been proposed by the city's redistricting commission that would have eliminated some of their power, at least the way those people perceived it. And then it turned into a discussion that included a lot of very serious, for real racist remarks crude comments about some of their colleagues in the city council and a discussion on how to consolidate and preserve political power and how to reject these lines. And they started talking about who gets the airport in their districts. If you have a big, they called it assets, right? If you have the airport or you have uh, Dodger Stadium or Crypto.com, which used to be Staples, which is a better name, I think they still should call it the Crypt. Are they doing that? Seems like an obvious thing to call it the Crypt, but uh, maybe they're not going to do it. If you have a big Asset that employs a lot of people and it's in your district, then you're going to get more donors. And, you know, there's a lot of politics and money involved in those things. And so when they're drawing lines, it's not just about, you know, keeping uh, Democrats in one pile and Republicans too small to get there. It's about donations and money, and it's bad. And now the racist remarks are getting the most attention, and that's understandable. But let's not miss, let's not just get past that part and miss the political corruption that's exposed here. And let's not pretend it's not happening in other states. You know, If you listen to these tapes, have you heard them? Um, I haven't really wanted to play them. They're everywhere, but, and there's a lot of foul language and other stuff. But what concerns me about it is that it's not like somebody said something that was rude or insensitive or bad and then said, excuse me, I shouldn't say that or that there was people in the room sort of aghast that someone would say this. It was conversation like, this happens all the time. This is the way we talk, this is the way we talk about each other, and this is what this meeting is about, consolidating our power. We saw that. Um, This is, by the way, why you vote. More than half of Californians don't vote. The reason we're a one party state, the reason that within that one party, there is so much of this corruption that we're seeing here. And I'm not saying that it wouldn't be Republicans if they were, if we were one party state and Republican, I'm not saying it wouldn't be there too. Okay. That's, it's what power does, right? Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. We used to say, this is why your vote matters. When you get out your ballot and go through it, don't just fill it out quickly with these and ours. That's the problem. Okay, the problem is we're going – and I think that I think that is what the, the power grab is, right, is that we want our team to have power because we simply just trust that our team is going to do better because they're our team. And if something bad happens, it's the other side, right? That's what some of this in L.A. has exposed is that, hey, guess it's not the other side. There's no Republicans on the L.A. City Council. There's no Republicans uh, in charge of uh, the redistricting and all those conversations. I mean um, – and that's, once again, not to say that if, the, if it wasn't Republican, one-party state, that we wouldn't have the same thing happening. But what we're seeing is what power does and what I, what concerns me. And I, I'm saying this as somebody who's asking you to vote. Okay, I'm saying this as somebody who is asking you to vote even on a couple of particular issues. For example, Proposition 1, uh, I'm asking you to vote no on that. OK, and our station has done that. And so we've had guests who've talked about that. And what Proposition 1 is, and if you have your ballot, it's on. There's Proposition 1. And what it claims to be doing is enshrining current California law into the state constitution. And it's not true because it actually changes California abortion law to include full-term abortions with no restrictions. Current California law has restrictions on third tr- third trimester after about 24 weeks. You can't have an abortion without uh, a serious event happening like Life of the Mother, okay? And you you can't do it just for any reason you want to. Prop 1 will change that. Prop 1, you know, I noticed this. I got my ballot. I don't know if you're in the same boat, but I got my ballot, but I didn't get the usual pamphlet with all the explanations. Maybe I'm supposed to look it up online. I just usually wait for that. I like the paper one, and I go through it. I didn't get that. I know that in that, when it describes – because I have looked this up on Proposition 1 online – when I looked it up, you know, it says that Proposition 1 will not have any f- fiscal impact. You know, sometimes when we vote on things, the the question is what does it cost? Is this going to cost more? Is it worth it? And you make that determination. Here it says it's not going to cost anything because it's just implementing laws that are currently in place. Currently, California is is okayed to spend over $200, 000, $200 million dollars. Uh, I think it's $200 million, on people visiting California for abortions, okay, and bringing people here and paying for those abortions from other states where they are restricted. Incidentally, by the way, on this issue, 80%, 79%, according to Rasmussen poll, in California do not agree that we should legalize third trimester abortions, late-term abortions, okay? This is not an issue where we are very divided like we would be on first trimester abortions where the majority in California would say they approve of that or they think it should be legal even if they don't personally approve. Almost everybody thinks we shouldn't be doing this in late trimester abortions and yet we're going to force this. That's why I'm saying vote no. Also it says, you know, this is the deception that's in the politics here, okay? You have uh, this situation – where it says there's no fiscal impact, but most people are saying, well, yes, that's true technically speaking because current California law has a limit. But if you put this in the state constitution, it will very likely increase those costs over time, and so it's not really accurate that way. There are There is just so much deception, and that is what I think – What when when we look at what's happened in L.A., when we are taking a look at this, it pulls back the curtain, doesn't it? and i hope people take a look as ugly as it is you know i think that the the power conversation it's not always accompanied by the the racism and the here's how we're going to divide blacks and hispanics and mexicans and whoever else were mentioned in all of that i don't think that's always part of the conversation but i think the power distribution part is very often a part of that conversation power is a it is it is something that can be addictive it is something that You know, it can be used for good when you make good decisions that benefit, that truly benefit the people, but it's something that ultimately corrupts. And so I ask again, you're listening to Southern California Live, I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Christians Church right now is being accused by a lot of different groups for the idea that they are basically power-hungry, that Christianity has become something, the church has become something about just gaining political power. Usually they're referring to conservative churches or, uh, you know, uh, right-wing churches, but uh, that's not always the case. There are plenty of uh, left-wing churches out there that are definitely about political power, and that's true right here in Southern California, and it's true across the country. There is a lot of, of a mixture there of political power. Are Christians looking at it for the power's sake? Do we think maybe as the church, we're going to get more done if we get enough people elected who agree with us? Or do we feel like we can get elected and force people to believe the way we believe? I don't think most of us think that, but I think some do. And if you're kind of on that page, I, I really want to point something out is that there's nothing in scripture. There's no place in scripture where Jesus commands anybody to go run for office and force people to believe in Jesus or believe in anything even morally. Okay, there's there was no sense from any of the apostles that what Jesus wanted them to do, what they set out to do, is get themselves elected to the Roman Senate so they could change the laws in time. Now, what happened is the success of the church was not built on political power or even military power and might. It was built on the power of the gospel. And there's great power in the gospel, just like Philippians tells us Philippians tells us that God is in control, that God has the power, and that we should trust the fact that if you want to make change in your society, if you want to do things that are actually going to help people, then you need to focus on your citizenship in heaven first, and that whatever power you have, what you should do is humbly leverage it for the sake of everybody that you serve. See, when we follow Jesus, what did Jesus do for us? Philippians tells us that he lowered himself, right? That he considered equality with God something that uh, not to be grasped, meaning he wasn't going to lord that over us in the sense that he's going to just force people to believe in him. No, he came as a servant. You know, he washed the feet of the disciples. He went to the slaughter like a lamb to the slaughter. He went to the cross that way. Philippians 3 tells us this, but whatever were gains to me, Paul is saying this, See, my friends, that's where the power is, right there. The power of the resurrection of Christ and the participation in his sufferings, that's what we're doing now as we make disciples, as we get out there, and becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained all this, Paul writes, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. It is an impossible, imperative for us as believers to gain power, not for ourselves, but because we have the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of his resurrection. That's what changed Rome, by the way. The worst thing that happened in in Christian history in the early church was Rome became a Christian empire. The worst thing that happened was when Constantine said, hey, you know what, now we're going to, uh, instead of killing people for being Christians, now we're going to kill you if you ain't. And now what we're going to do is enforce this on people because our faith is, Christianity is by faith. You accept Christ by faith, not because somebody you know puts a gun to your head, not because somebody threatens you, not because you were born in a certain place or because you were even baptized in a certain church as a baby or something, or even as a kid, and you don't really remember that you did it. You don't remember the commitment that you made. It's about faith in Jesus Christ. My friends, I want you to remember, all of us as believers, that this is where the power is. Everything belongs to Jesus Christ, everything. And no matter how this election turns out, and I think you should vote. I think that Christians need to be speaking the truth in love in this society. I think that we should do the work to figure out what's true, that we should assume that absolute power corrupts, that we should not be surprised when there is corruption in government. I think we need to call out our own side, whatever side you're on. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, the most productive thing you can do is not when it comes to corruption, is not point out the other side, but point it out when it's on your side. You know, If if the corruption in L.A. is going to get fixed, it's going to be Democrats who have to fix it within Democrats because this is a one-party city. Same is true any place where there would be one-party rule with Republicans someplace. It's Republicans calling out Republicans or independents and independents. You know, if you're an independent, you know you, you have this cop-out, right? I can just criticize both sides. Nope, you're leaning one way or the other call out the truth. We need to be people known for truth. We need to be people known for the fact that when we have power, what we do is we humbly leverage it for the sake of everybody that we serve. That's what you do with power. That's what you do when you find yourself as somebody with authority or somebody, maybe you just find yourself in a situation where everybody turns and looks at you for the answer. When everybody looks at you for to decide something, here's what you do with that. You leverage it for the sake of everybody who's looking at you, even at the sacrifice of your own wants, your own desires. That kind of power is what Jesus did for us. That is the example of following Jesus. We become like him in this way, and we consider everything that we wanted or the things of this earth for loss because for the sake of Christ. That's what we are about. So in this political season, as we think about these things, and I'm going to ask you to vote, and we're going to talk about things it's not about power for, for us or for whatever side we're on. It's about the kingdom of God. We are about the kingdom of God. That is where our citizenship is, above and beyond. And when we leverage that, when we leverage it for the sake of everybody we serve, wherever we find ourselves, and when we require that of people who we do vote into office, especially when they say they're Christians, which a lot of people do, if they are known for leveraging their power for the sake of everyone else, government gets better. Corruption goes away. There will be more transparency. Things get better. All right, I'm going to take a break. When we get back, Pastor Sean Thornton is going to be with us, and uh, we're going to talk about some important things. Uh, in the world today. If you kind of wondered what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, speaking of really investigating that, we'll talk about that a little bit. Plus, there is a great concert that we want to invite you to that is happening here in Southern California. We'll talk about that as soon as we get back. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live, and we will be back as the Thursday edition continues. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, Scott Furrow with you today. And uh, I am grateful to be joined right now by Pastor Sean Thornton. Pastor Sean is the pastor, the senior pastor of Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village. And um, he is uh, going to be with us here. He's married, he's got three kids. Sean, welcome to Southern California Live.
1: Thank you so much, God. Good to be with you.
0: Hey, are you a uh, Dodger fan? I'm thinking that you are. I am a Dodger fan.
1: Uh, I came to the LA area 14 years ago and have become a Dodger fan. Uh, I grew up a Cubs fan, though, so every now and then uh, I went to Home Depot Depot a couple weeks ago, and I walked in. I didn't realize I was wearing a Dodger hat and a Cubs shirt, and the guy just looked at me and said, make up your mind. <laughs> so I, was, I didn't even know what he was talking about, and finally someone else pointed out to me you're wearing a Dodger hat and a Cubs shirt. So I grew up a Cubs fan, but uh, since we've been in L.A., just really come to love the Dodgers. And
0: yeah, you, know, are, you are you worried uh, about the goose? Games? The goose that landed on the field uh, yesterday. I, 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 I I'm not
1: too worried about the goose, but I, I heard that it was almost became like a. People thought it might be a lucky charm there right at the end of the game. And I, I didn't quite catch that they were cheering as much as they were chanting goose, but yeah. Amazing how uh something like that takes a life of its own, huh?
0: Only yeah, it does. Only in LA. Anyway, welcome to our program, Sean. And uh <laughs> we're really glad that you're here uh with us. And you know, there's a lot going on in the world today, and we've been talking about you know, on this show we we try to keep up with all of those things. And one of the big issues is what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, and right. uh, you have some partners that you work with there. What are some thoughts that you've got about that conflict going on and how it's been escalating, and how are we doing, uh, the Christians well, especially?
1: And, well, what's been really interesting on the Ukraine side, uh, I'm connected with the wanna Clubs International that has a lot of partner churches on the ground there. I'm also at least familiar, and we gave some support as a church to uh, Children's Hunger Fund that has some partner churches on the ground there. And it's been amazing that a lot of churches, those we partner with directly, those at Awana and Children's Hunger Fund, a number of them in the midst of this mess have been able to continue to provide food and help and, you know, hope for, for their communities, even in the midst of all this. And I know that Eastern parts and the areas that Putin had a referendum, it's a lot harder to know exactly what's going on there and for churches to be up and functioning, but. In other parts of the country, in the western part, where we have some partners on the ground, um, they have taken in to their own homes. At one point, one of our partners had 30 people staying at his house in the first couple weeks of the invasion. So it's been great to see the body of Christ be the body of Christ in Ukraine, even under intense pressure, and to partner with them. On the other side, um, we have some Russian friends who saw uh, the open door to the gospel and to Christianity, really so wide open you know after the iron curtain fell and mm-hmm. the soviet union dissolved and Russia encouraged churches to thrive and plant and grow and they thought it was all good but in the last 22 years mr putin during his time has especially in the last 5 to 10 years really changed the laws so that if you're not planting you're not you're not working in a church officially in uh, you know russian orthodox or official church systems you're trying to start a church Uh, It can be considered terrorist activity. If you receive any money from the West, it can be seen as money laundering. So a lot of our partners have just seen their ministries um, just really devastated by the laws. And then when the invasion came, the pressure was even more uh, on churches and ministries and people trying to help. And so we've really seen our partners, both sides of this. And of course, I know my Russian friends would say, the people on the Ukraine side have really had the hardest of this because that's where the bombs have been falling. Yeah. But the the openness to the gospel since the invasion has even closed more and more in Russia. And we know that there are hundreds of thousands of men who fled. Some of our friends have fled the country and we've been trying to help them find what their next step is going to be because they never dreamed they'd have to leave their land. But it, So yeah, it's it's amazing how the gospel still goes out in the darkness. That light is still bright. And yet we ache for our partners who are under so much uh, pain and persecution.
0: I think there's something important uh, for us to understand. For some reason, uh, there are some people um, who are suggesting that Putin is Christian and that he is promoting uh, Christianity in Russia. I keep hearing this all the time. This is so such a farce. It's, it's completely farce. false.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't know his own personal religion or, or what he claims, but... I don't personally see the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit flowing from him or any of the things that the Scriptures or even Jesus said would be the identification of a follower of Christ, but also the laws that have been put in place. For example, one of our partners was ministering to Russian orphanages, and in Russia, they don't have a foster care system like we do, so when people need to be removed from a home like for safety or whatever, or even families just say, we don't want our children anymore, they can turn them over to the government and they end up in these orphanages now all over the country usually outside of cities so these people will be raised there and if they're deemed unworthy, sometimes because of a, a club some reason some disability cognitive or physical they're deemed unworthy they don't go on to um, college or what have you they're just dropped off in the city near the orphanages and given so much of quite a bit of money but it's like 90% of those orphans that go are released into cities where they've never shopped before they've never uh, you know, exchanged money or been with someone who does because they've been so isolated. And we had partners who were going to those orphanages, and the government started creating not only laws, but a culture that said, Why are you going to those people? If you're going to those people, you're trying to take their money, you're trying to take advantage of them. And so there's just been a culture that has really thwarted ministries that were once flourishing and helping, you know, those marginalized and those hurt. And Mr. Putin's policies have just crushed the life out of people trying to fight for the common good and trying to bring the kingdom of Christ to hurting people. And so hard for me, the other, the other one, by the way, there's other side I'm hearing is we took an offering uh, for Ukraine relief and it was one of the largest offerings we'd ever received in three weeks uh, Hmm. at Calvary to get to our partners. And I had a number of people, and I think they're God loving people and they had good intentions But they say, I hope not one penny goes to any Russian Christian. Mm. And I said, well, we we raised it for Russian or for Ukrainian relief. And so we don't have that plan. But I can tell you, I know of our partners who do not support what's going on. And I had one partner. I said, there's a wife. What are you hoping for when Mr. Putin is gone and and one day your country can maybe get back on its feet? And she said, I hope to be a part of the people who go into Ukraine to rebuild. This is a Russian woman telling me this. And she said, I want to rebuild in Jesus name. So I think we've got to be careful to say all Russians you know, we kind of get we'd be careful to get in the Christian world back into this old uh, Cold War mindset. Like right, they're all evil people trying to destroy us. They're not, and we need to be compassionate for our brothers. There's been a huge church built in Russia over the last thirty four years, and they love Jesus and they are grieving with us. And they are they're being the life is being crushed out of them.
0: I think people forget uh, that you know the Russians are have been oppressed for decades. From that yes. government, and it changed, yes. but it didn't change, right? It changed and in a lot of ways. It changed back.
1: It changed back, and and my friends tell me it could be worse because before it was more like a system. You remember they had the old Politburo. That's right. You had all the structures and systems. It's become very personal now. They have an individual who, if anybody is going to run for mayor over here, one of my a number of my Russian friends have said, you know, the laws have been made so that everybody in the country is in violation of a law. So if you run for mayor in a local town and you say something negative about Putin, you get arrested for tax evasion because anybody who fills out their taxes, they make the form so that you are guilty of something. Mm. And that's been used, that was used by Hitler in Germany. That's a very common dictator approach that everybody's guilty of something. So they just charge you when you become inconvenient to them rather than in a sense of justice. And so I think hope christians and and as your audience here that we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in christ in russia they're being torn apart by this um one of our partners was saying you know they've been taking men from their workplaces because they don't want wives and children to catch iphones you know dragging men off to war Mm. and and you know we we have to understand that that's 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 causing a lot of our brothers and sisters in christ to live in fear and you know they don't want to go and fight and and they don't believe in this war and I'm not saying all Christians I'm saying the partners I've talked with and I think that's been a you know a theme I've heard from several of our partners and we as Americans have to see things through kingdom eyes not just our own um Worldview, which is, I'm proud to be an American, and I'm thrilled we live in this country. I've been reminded of that talking to our Russian friends. Yeah, what one a
0: great the, nation we live in. One of the things that we have often said as a nation, but we forget in times of war or when if it's got some political advantage, we like to say, you know, we have no war with the the Russian people or the Iranian people or whatever people we're about to bomb. Um, we need to think about that as Christians that we don't have a war with the body of Christ that is in Russia or Ukraine or yeah. anywhere else. We're the same team. No,
1: no, same team. And, and you know, in some ways, we've had a responsibility in the West because we rushed in properly so when the Iron Curtain fell. And you had even like the commission, it was called, where a number of back in the early 90s, a number of ministries like Campus Crusade and others came together under this banner of commission where there I think there were 40 ministries that – we're finding ways to get families, Christian families, to go there, serve as missionaries for one year, two years. Let's get the gospel in while the doors are open. And we developed a lot of great partners and people who were teenagers then are now leading the church in their 40s and 50s. And the way the government changed the laws, and not it's not our fault and it's not our Russian partners' fault, the government changed the laws so that now these people are um, threatened by just having a relationship with us And so I feel some responsibility to our partners that we do what we can to pray for them, help them do whatever we can to assist them, because part of their vulnerability is just having a connection to to America and to the West. We have one partner who was investigated by the Mm. FSB five or six years ago, and the only things they were investigating is, you know, why do you care about, you know, discarded orphans? much. That's unusual. That's not a Russian idea. That's an American idea. And just being questioned for right. what I would call the heart of God, compassion of God, not Russian or American, but uh, what, what God's people should be doing. So I, I hope your listeners will have time to just pause and pray for whenever you see the news about the invasion of Ukraine, which is horrific, that they would stop and pray for the church in Russia. And I mean, the, the born again believers in Russia and the born again believers in Ukraine. Um, they're trying to do their best to be light in the midst of this darkness.
0: Yes, they are. Sean, are you able to stay with me through a break? Yes. All right. My guest is Pastor Sean Thornton. He's the senior pastor of Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village. And when we get back, we'll continue talking about this. We'll talk about the church in America, maybe some things that are on your heart, Sean. And as we talk about this, you know, when it's going on in Russia, how does it even translate for us, we want to pray for them, but in our own world and the things going on, you know, what can the church do here to serve each other better? And also, you've got a concert coming up at your church. Um, uh, it is uh, We the Kingdom Live, and that's coming up this on the 16th, which is Sunday. Is that right? This is
1: SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5
0: KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, Scott Furrow with you. My guest is Pastor Sean Thornton. He's the senior pastor of Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village. And uh, there will be a concert, by the way. We, the Kingdom with Corey Asbury, is going to be at your church, uh, Pastor, uh, on Sunday night at 7. Is that right?
1: Yeah, they're going to be with us. It's a nationwide tour. And this is one of the—we've hosted a number of bands through the years, you know, everything from Mercy Me to— uh, to newsboys, to, you know, um, uh, 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 re- uh, trying to think of uh, casting crowns and different ones over the years, Jeremy camp. It's been a while. Uh, last one I think we might've had was Phil Wickham a number of years ago, mm. but with, uh, with the pandemic, we've been able to host some, and we've got, uh, we, the kingdom, which, uh, a lot of folks may not know who they are, but may know some of their songs like holy water and dancing on the waves. And, uh, a number of songs that have uh, God so loved is one of their songs. We've got a number of songs that have really uh, kind of captured uh, uh the Christian world recently. And we've been singing them in a worship for a year or two here at Calvary. And uh, just real good group. I, I heard how they got started. They got started as a, a group that was just getting together for like a young life uh, camp to lead worship uh, down in the Southeast. And one night they were sitting around and they wrote the song dancing on the waves, which is the idea that God is pursuing us and, He's leading us out onto the water like, like Peter to trust him and to keep our eyes on Jesus. And just some beautiful lyrics about how he's pursuing us, and he's not going to let us sink, and he's going to be with us. And so their songs are very powerful, often based right on Scripture. But they started just as a group that was leading worship at a Young Life camp, and then uh, wrote that song, and they wrote some other songs, and then uh, began to get some traction. And so I appreciate that we have the opportunity to have them this Sunday night at 7. And tickets are available through our website at calvarywestlake.org org and Corey Asbury, who uh, is known for singing songs like Reckless Love, and uh, he's sung Raise a, Raise a Hallelujah as well. And so there's some different voices uh, that I think will just be a blessing to folks to worship and be an energetic night. Kind of, We the Kingdom's kind of a little bit rockabilly, if I can say it that way. Right. Right. So it's got a unique sound that I think people. Who understand that we will really enjoy. I'm very much looking forward to it.
0: I think people will love it. It's a great night out, also, and we need to get out and uh, and sing and have some fun. And you can do that uh, Sunday night. Uh, go to calvarywestlake.org and scroll down a little bit. You'll find the link to the We the Kingdom live. Uh, concert get your tickets there pastor sean before the break we were talking about um what's going on in ukraine and russia and and, uh, why we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in christ Uh, as you put them board again believers a great way to look at it because there's so much confusion about what the church might be particularly in russia And we were were talking about how many – how there are so many laws in Russia that Putin has put in place that are really persecuting the church. It's a mistake when people – a grave mistake when people want to say that he's Christian or he's upholding Christendom or something like that because he's not uh, at all. You know, when I think about that, Sean, I'm thinking about our country, and we come back here, and we're in election season. We've got turmoil Mm -hmm. in our town. You know, why should Christians vote? What would you tell – what would you say to our audience about why should a Christian vote?
1: Well, I I tell our congregation every year, some point before we get to an election, especially, of course, these midterms and the national elections or even the primaries, I always say we live in a nation where we don't have a king or a dictator, a person like a Putin, where we have the opportunity to affect our government, to decide who will will lead us at the local, state, federal level, national level. And I think that because of the way a democracy like ours is set up, a constitutional democracy with the the representation we have that our vote really does matter. And if we're going to, if we're going to, as we say, honor the government, if we're going to pray for those who have, uh, and all those who have an authority and we're going to submit to that authority, part of it is exercising our we the people responsibility and voting. And it's not always easy because I think sometimes we think one party or another has all the values of Christ in his kingdom. I just right. preached a message this last Sunday that, Really, if you list the values of Christ and I did that for our folks, I said some of you feel real comfortable with about half of these, and some of you feel real comfortable about the other half, and you want you want me to tell you which way to vote. i 'm not going to tell you which way to vote, but you need to wrestle this through with each person, each uh, proposition as we have in California to think you know how does this not not what am I being told by media pundits or parties, but the the kingdom of Christ and the way of Christ. Uh, You know, sometimes I tell people I'm going to sound a little woke because there are some principles of the kingdom that sound that way. And other times I'm going to sound like a right wing, Uh radical, moral majority guy uh, because there are some convictions. I think Satan is the one who wants to draw the church away from all the convictions of Christ. And I think it's hard to know how to vote, but I think we should vote. And I think we should vote on those convictions uh, that are laid out in Scripture and that Jesus himself embodied.
0: I think that's a great way to look at it. You're right about we, the people. Right, is that this moment of voting is the place that God has ordained where we have the authority that He's given, and then we we elect people, and then we submit to their authority, as the Scripture tells us. You know, unless so they're we elect
1: te- a new set of them, or or if they tell us we can't preach our message or fulfill our mission, that's when you see in the New Testament, like when Peter and John uh, are told to you know don't preach in Jesus name. And they say, well, we got a problem here. We're going to obey God rather than man. That's right. And, um, and that's important. And, and and I think we have to be careful that we don't kind of flip that switch too soon that we, uh, that we, uh, because we, 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 maybe we, we have to change a little bit about how we do things. It's very different than, like we say, our friends in Russia are experiencing where just, it's hard even for the, the body of Christ to gather right now with all the laws that can make them look like terrorists or money launderers. And we don't have that. But I still think we need to be very engaged. And then we need to be respectful of those that uh, the Lord puts in place. Sometimes he puts in place people I didn't vote for because he's doing something else that's yeah. bigger than what I see. And then the next time election comes around, I get to vote again. And sometimes I've watched this through those votes, God removes someone I didn't ever want to be in that <laughs> position and raises someone up, I think, reflects his values more. And I, I think we as Christians particularly also got to be careful not to uh, – sometimes the world makes it you can either have conviction or you can have com- compassion. Mm. And I think whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, if you're a follower of Christ, I heard someone say recently – You, it was Justin Gibney from the end campaign – he said – you could be a Republican or a Democrat as a follower of Christ, but you cannot choose between biblical convictions and Christ-like compassion, that grace and truth that Jesus was. And sometimes we pick one to the detriment of the other, and, and we need to hold both in tension, even as we engage in the political world and show love and kindness. Christianity is the only thing, the only philosophy or religion that says love your enemies as it That's does. Right. And, and even when we disagree with people, we need to love them as, as
0: citizens of this great nation. He's right about that. I know uh, that organization and campaign, where we, you can do and. You know, it's not this or that, and you have to accept everybody on your side and everything they say on your side. That's the mistake, I think.
1: Yeah, it's it's what's dangerous is then we tell the world our kingdom is this or that. That's right. Our kingdom that we serve, our king, and sometimes we want through politics the king without the kingdom. Yes. And the only way the kingdom comes is through the king yeah. and through his. His followers living out those values and voting those values and living them out when isn't easy, and it's not easy. I'm not saying this is an easy time to live in America. There's such great division, uh, but I think the church needs to be those who hold a conviction but constantly demonstrate true compassion of Christ to even those we disagree with.
0: You're absolutely right, Philippians three twenty. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there. Not from Washington. Yep. You know, right. not, yep. not from Sacramento.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep, and not from outside either of those either. Sometimes we think the outside person is always the Savior. No, it's the person who one day <laughs> will return and make all things new. That's yeah. right.
0: Pastor Sean, thank you for being with us. Can you remind us again about the details of uh, yeah. the concert this weekend?
1: Yeah, the the concert here in uh, Westlake Village, which is out by... Uh, uh, Thousand Oaks and uh, Gora Hills, Calabasas out that way on the 101 is Sunday night, uh, October 16th is Sunday at 7 p.m. Doors open at 6. You get tickets at calvarywestlake.org. We just happen to be hosting this. It, it's uh, going to be a great night to, to celebrate, to have fun, and to worship our Lord together. So just go to calvarywestlake.org and join us
0: Sunday night. All right. Pastor Sean Thornton is the senior pastor of Calvary Westlake, and you can go to calvarywestlake.org to learn about uh, Pastor Sean, his church, and to get tickets for We the Kingdom Live. Thank you so much for being with me, uh, Pastor Sean. I always appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Scott. It's, It's a pleasure all the time.
0: All right. God bless you. Have a great evening. You too. All right, friends, and uh, once again, that website is calvarywestlake.org, We the Kingdom Live. I think, you know, with all the, the COVID and the stuff that we've been locked in, this is a great time to go to concerts. It's a great time to just go be with other believers, sing the songs, bring your friends, and hang out and do that. Friends, tomorrow we'll be on from 3 to 5, as we are each and every day in Southern California Live. We'll do some Open Phone Friday, and uh, we'll have some fun, and we'll talk about what you want to talk about. If you did not get through today, we had a couple of calls on hold for a long time. Sorry we didn't get to you today. Sometimes we just can't get there, but you can call tomorrow and ask the same question. We do that for Open Phone Friday. And uh, let me close. I'm going to close with a little word of prayer. We're going to pray for, um, for our Russian and Ukrainian brothers and sisters in Christ. God, thank you for the mystery of what you're doing, even in the worst of circumstances. And we have brothers and sisters who are suffering in Russia and in Ukraine, and as a result of everything going on, we pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them, that they would be blessed by your spirit and encouraged right now. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody, I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll see you tomorrow from 3 to 5.